Welcome to the Fantasy Champions Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, Morgan Colby and Rick Lemon. Okay, what's going on, Fantasy Champs? And so it begins. This, I would say, is the first true uh, uh, off-season show Mm. um, as we jump into this because uh, next week we got some early hot takes that we're going to do. We got hot takes already? Keep that in your cranium, Rick. I'm curious what our hot takes were last year. Maybe we should should yank that out. Hot takes in January. Early hot takes that we did last year in January. See what see what. Probably nothing was right. And then then we're going to hop into our very first. I I love doing it super early before the NFL season ever like even ends, but a mock draft. Oh, my gosh. Wild. Do they even have mock drafts? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sleepers always available. Yeah, but for like next year, I think it's just the first round. It's a way too okay. early first round mock draft. So we'll, what we're gonna do what we did last year and kind of project out um, the first. Uh, yeah. Well, so I was gonna a, say, is it that or do we project out what we, we're we're projecting out? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's the same thing as um, last year. Holy smokes! Yeah. I just lost my old. Calendar. I would love to see what last year's is. I think I, first, I remember seeing Antonio Gibson yeah. could be a first round pick. And that <laughs> That's not good, uh, but yeah. I will bring up last year's and we can we can uh, throw that in there. But then the next week after that, on the same Thursday, we will do a second round mock draft. Um, but before you know it, we're going to be jumping into free agent um, positional players and and all that stuff. So um, this, I say, would cap off our final uh, recap show of the year, um, and maybe we'll make some uh, quick predictions at the end of this show pertaining to you know the big the playoffs, super wild card weekend, playoffs. Playoffs? Are you kidding me? We can't win a game. Me and my fantasy team all year this year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can't can't win a game. Um. All right. So without further ado, we want to get this show in and out real quick. Um. So, like I said, we're gonna talk about our top five lessons learned from the fantasy football season in 2022. We always learn something from the season. Um, and, and I, obviously there's, there's trends and different things that start changing from year to year. So there'll always be things to learn, but before we jump into that, check out us at fantasygymies.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. If you're listening on Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other, other podcasting platforms, please leave a review, share this podcast with your friends. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, click the bell for notifications, like, and comment down below. Um, I was going to mention too, I, we didn't even talk about this on our last show as Pats fans. I have never been more. Uh, joyful when my sports team doesn't make the playoffs than I am right now. I thought you were rooting for them to get in. Oh, oh, obviously, obviously, I was rooting for them to get in. I was, but you're like secretly scenarios. happy that they but, didn't. Yeah, secretly, internally, I was, I was kind of like, all right, I'm glad this crap show's over. But see, like, do you know how hard it is? Was... Hold on, do you know how hard it is as a Mac Jones fan, as a Mac Jones truther? To stand in my family's house and root for that man. Yeah, it's when they're all uh, there was battle, a bait. Huh? He threw his second touchdown of the day, hundred yards, twelve for twelve, two tutties, whatever it was, and everyone in my household was chanting for Bailey Zappi. <laughs> what they say after the interceptions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> 
Anyway. Oh, gosh. Uh, so I'm glad that train wreck is over. But it actually makes me feel better because it's like, like we're not going to get trounced by the Bills or the Bengals. Exactly. Yep. And um and i i want i i don't want to postpone um the inevitable of if you're a playoff team technically speaking you can't start talking to coaches or something like that you need permission or whatever the nonsense rule is so like the patriots can actually start going in and firing coaches and hiring coaches and reorganizing and stuff they got to start now so the faster that happens the better i'm on to next season 2023 here we come uh but anyway i i wasn't disappointed i was usually i'm like enraged I was mad the season we didn't make the playoffs with Cam Newton. I was physically upset. Yeah, but this, this year, year it's this year's a little. Different. This is what it is. I do kind of see. I was with you, but the the moment they lost the Bengals game, I was like, okay, they're not gonna make the playoffs. If they're gonna make the playoffs, they had to win this game. So I'd rather just lose the next two, and then they beat the Dolphins, and then I was like, okay, well they're not gonna win next week, so this is all for nothing. And then they yeah. didn't win, so. Anyway, it was, was kind of sad. It was a horrible season, so I'll say that. Um, if you're a Pats fan, we empathize. Hey, I could have told you that in GLI. <laughs> Trust me, I went. But Dad was saying it doesn't even look like an NFL team. <laughs> I know. Well, he compared based on practices. He compared the Patriots to an the Owen sixteen Dolphins team in the nineties. So they did pretty good from that standard. Yeah, but um, to be fair, I think. Um, they won eight games this year. I don't even know if they were an eight win. Their defense was legit. Yeah, I was. I was going to say why if, they won eight games. if they actually. This is not a Patriots podcast, so we got to talk about fantasy football. But if they had actually had an offensive coordinator and offense, that defense is good enough to carry them to. Oh yeah, a few wins. Like I think they're they with the talent they have. If they have an offensive coach, they're like an eleven win team. Yeah, so, but you could have also said if their defense wasn't as good this year. Like let's say it was like average to below average, they're probably like a four or five win team. Oh yeah. yeah. If their team if their defense sucked, I should say. Yeah. Which I don't think goes backwards, to be honest with you. <laughs> There's no reason. No, 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 no. I looking forward, it's much more positive. But anyway, so let's let's talk about our top five lessons learned for fantasy football twenty twenty. Yes, let's do that. Stuff. Um all right. So the first one that we have on this list, um, I think I wrote this one, didn't I? Uh, yeah. did you? Yeah, yeah, this is mine. So it's don't react too early. And yeah. for me, I, one of the things that I learned this year is patience in fantasy football. And, um, a lot of times like people get early in the season, they get two wins and then you know, by the time you hit week seven, you're two and five or week six or two and four, and you're not looking great. And at that point, I know how you felt because I was there. I was just trying to win enough games. So I wasn't last place. That was legitimately my thought. Like, I, I just don't, I don't want to be last place. I hated my roster. And so I said, what do I got to do to fix this? So I came up with a plan of action and I just took it week by week. And I made a bunch of trades and I signed some guys off the waiver wire, picked up guys off the waiver wire and my team ended up winning how many in a row? Seven, Something like that. seven in a row. And I ended up nine and five on the season. So um, I feel like a lot of people will give up too early and they will, um, they'll just pack it in because they're two and four and they'll start losing focus, stop losing focus. 
or they'll not actively try to improve their teams, or they'll do the opposite of that and overreact and make a really dumb deal um, that didn't really benefit them. But to me, it's like, don't give up on your team. Don't just like start blowing it up because Christian McCaffrey's not putting up 30 point games. You know what I mean? Like you have to be patient with your fantasy football team. You know, if you're 10 weeks, in, 10 weeks into the season and you're three and seven, there's no chance you're coming back. Like, I mean, at that point you still shouldn't give up because seven and seven teams make the playoffs, but like, it's very hard to overcome that. Uh, but if it's early in the season, you're still in the first half, like don't give up too early. There's no reason why you should be packing it in and calling a se- calling it a season and having the same thoughts I was going, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm probably going to lose three more games, four more games on the season. And when that happens, I'm going to be one of the worst teams in the league. And I just don't want to be last place. Like just don't have that thought and mm-hmm. stick with your team. Like, Sometimes it takes like the early season is such a freaking facade because it's like you it, like I remember early in the season Rick and I were overreacting about our predictions and overreacting like Justin Fields wasn't good for the first 5 to 7 weeks of the season until they you know started running it with him after the yeah. Patriots game and so it's like sometimes even your takes you got to be patient on because 6 6 weeks of the season is not a window of the whole season you know what I mean it doesn't tell you anything so you just got to be patient. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's not. But, like, don't give up and don't react too early to things happening because I think everyone's reactionary in our society now. It's like something happens and you just react. And uh, instead of doing that, create a plan, come up with an idea, and execute that plan to a T. Okay? All good. Fair enough. I think quickly to add to that, you can also um, do what you did in the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were patient and um, you did realize that your team wasn't good um, and you fixed it. But there are other teams that um, are the opposite. So, like, for example, my team was pretty good in the beginning of the year. And I had a ridiculous amount of depth ridiculous amount of depth yep the only thing i really needed was a quarterback because at the time trevor lawrence had sucked just like shields <laughs> in the beginning of the season yep. so i needed a quarterback oh. i traded i made sure with you i traded chris godwin tony pollard uh, and then Derek Carr, which was whatever for lamar Rick, and then after that trade i had what like two or three major injuries in like a two-week span Yep. Um, Brees Hall going down, Jamar Chase going down. All of a sudden, Tony Pollard starts looking like a superstar. (laughs) Pollard all of a sudden became a top five running back. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just, like, if I was just more patient, I think the team would have, my team would have been better for it in the long run. Yeah. And then uh, Trevor Lawrence, as well, I ended up not really needing a quarterback because Lamar ended up getting hurt. Thankfully, I traded him away. But um, he ended up getting hurt. And then Trevor Lawrence became what QB seven on the year yeah, by the like end of that. the season. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, and it's not a bad idea to even when you're at the top. Like I hate when people think they have the best team and then they stop making waiver moves and they stop trading and they stop trying to improve their team because it's like your team is never going. It's never perfect. Like unless you have the wide receiver one, the running back one, the tight end one, the quarterback one, and the best player underneath them on your roster. Like your team's not perfect. So there's no reason why you should just, you know, like actively try to, until your trade deadline, actively try to find ways to improve your team. If your schedule, if you don't like a guy's schedule going into the playoffs, 
Like, see if you can try to trade that schedule away and find a guy with a better schedule who's producing the same. Like, different stuff like that you can actively do. Um, but Rick was definitely in that position. I took advantage of that. You offered me a a deal, and it took me a little bit to take that. I don't know why it took me so long. Oh, I had to think about it, but that now that you say it out loud like that, I should just said I should have said sure. Well, at the time, Pollard wasn't what he was. No, he was just true. like a true. fringe running back. It was really Godwin, yeah. Lamar. Like, and I think the biggest thing, I guess, the lesson you can learn from this discussion is is just you want to act, but you don't want to react. So, like, if you're losing and you're two and four, there's no reason that you should trade everybody on your team. Like. Early in the season, I had Travis Etienne, right? And he was getting seven points a game. And I could tell things were starting to shift. And he was just a touchdown away. Or he was just a little bit more opportunity away. And James Robinson wasn't looking great with the ball in his hands. And things were just... You could start to see it a little bit before he had those 20-point games in the middle of the season. And I stuck with it. I was patient. And I was like, you know what? I think this guy's going to be good at some point. And I'm going to hold him until that happens because I'm not going to be the guy that traded Travis Etienne and then he goes off at the end of the season. So I said, I'm sticking with it. And he ended up having a bunch of really good games um, and was really good for me at points in the playoffs, not the entire playoffs. But um, but it's like if I had act, if I had reacted to his poor performances and just traded him, what I would have gotten eight weeks down the road in a trade as opposed to what I would have gotten three weeks into the season would have been freaking minimal. You know, yeah. it would have been like a freaking wide margin, um, especially considering like how many people need running backs in fantasy football. So it's like if I put him on the block, what I would have gotten on the block in week 10 as opposed to week three would have been astronomically different. So it's like patience is good, but act, don't react. Yep. Um, all right. Number two, Rick, why don't you give us number two? All right. So number two, um, something that I kind of learned and. Yeah, it it wasn't necessarily something groundbreaking because I I knew this, but it just really I think um, got reinforced this year, which was um, let me pull it up. <laughs> so it's draft established players um, is the correct term yeah. that we used, but basically what that means is guys who you know are good. And they might be a little bit on the older side, mm -hmm. but they're not really like Cliff yet. As long as it's redraft, you got to remember it's just one year. Yeah. Right? You're just having these guys for one year. Um, and I think a lot of the dynasty community falls into this category where they'll see a guy who's like 27 or 28. Mm -hmm. at, at, or they, they'll see a 29-year-old wide receiver and they'll be like, I'm out. He's too old. Which for dynasty, yeah, he's getting old. But for redraft, he's I mean, we did that fine. to Travis Kelsey. Um, you can look at so many examples this year. Like running backs, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones. Um, Travis Kelsey was good. Mm -hmm. All these veterans, DeAndre Hopkins, when he came back from the PED as like a 31 year old receiver was still good. Our mm -hmm. uh, 30 year old receiver was still good when he came back. Um, Leonard Fournette and Zeke guys who I think are pre pretty much kind of washed and definitely weren't great in terms of real football this yeah. year for fantasy purposes. Both guys did. Okay. They were both RB twos. Yeah. Um, so some of the, some of these veteran players, like, don't be afraid to draft them unless, of course, they're at that cliff. Like, I think Adam Thaleen, he might be at oh, that yeah, cliff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's um, – There's definitely yeah, – Go ahead. <laughs> Zoom. There's um, – I think I was just going to say what you, you were about to say, though, is 
there's there's guys that you definitely don't want to draft because they are too old. But as long as you know what that point is, you you should be okay with drafting veteran guys. Yeah, like uh, if if Derrick Henry is 29 years old, then I'm not drafting him. Um, but at 27, he's definitely needs he needs to be considered because he's not that old. You know what I mean? Like it's old uh-huh. for a running back, but it's not like it's not going to kill you. You know what yeah, I mean? Unless you're Todd Gurley, and unless you're Todd Gurley, yeah. Um, but no, it's it's very true, and I think I think they also the same can be said. I th- I think a lot of people just they're trying to to add to this in a little bit of a different way. Um, they try to overcomplicate things by drafting yes. like breakouts, and and I I mean I'm all for drafting breakouts, but in fantasy football, it's important to get cornerstones on your team that you can build around so that you can get breakout guys and you can get, you know, um, players to, you know, trade for players to build around that one asset. Like you need to have established like superstar players on your team in order to have success in fantasy. If you're just drafting, you know, random guys to your roster that um, are not great yet, if you had drafted like Javante Williams and then uh, Travis Etienne in subsequent rounds and didn't draft a single like stud running back, uh, then your team probably lost the first six games of the season. <laughs> so something like that. It's just like, but for me, it's like it's like one of those situations where you need to get at least one stud on your team. If you're late in the first round, you're like, oh, well, all the running backs are gone. There's a plethora of wide receivers that you can get. You know, right. um, and it's like, like we, we literally, because of this, not a drafting step, not drafting established players, because there was maybe some breakouts, you, you know, we personally, and most of the fantasy community neglected, neglected Tyreek Hill, neglected Josh Jacobs. Right. And mm-hmm. pulled those guys away and said, you know what? We're not going to draft him because I don't like what the situation looks like for them. Or Nick Chubb for me. Nick Chubb for I'm you. Former right. Nick Chubb guy. And I literally told you about Nick Chubb. I was like, he's fine. I know. He's gonna, he's yeah, gonna be fine. I just I don't know what overreacted. About. I mean, the bad team thing is is important, but um, but like a drafting an established player who is good and who you know is good is smart. It's not like a dumb decision. Um, and it'll allow you to like adjust like Josh Jacobs. You heard the contract situation. You're like, Oh, maybe they don't believe in him. Maybe they're going to try to split snaps. Well, we need to realize that, okay, who are they going to give it to? Zamir white. He blows. And he showed that he blowed to the point where it showed that he blew to a point where Josh Jacobs had to be force fed the ball. ETN young coming off an ACL, but young and talented in a first round pick over a guy who just came off an Achilles injury and was undrafted free agent. That's easy money. Like Travis Etienne's not established, but like, I don't know. So just always, always draft established players. It's, it's, you know, right. Especially when you need the core of your team built first, before you start thinking about like breakouts. Now, yes, in, in dynasty, uh, it's okay to draft nobody. I mean, not nobody, but breakouts. Ready to move on to the next one? Yeah. All right. Uh, number three, um, a bad team doesn't usually produce good fantasy assets. I say usually in all caps in my notes because I know that there are people that do have success. Um, but let's just pay an ode to Drake London. Mm. 
Kyle Pitts. Yeah. The Falcons offense. Yeah. <laughs> to how bad they were. Kyle Pitts had one or two games this season where he was good. Even Cordero Patterson had a bunch of games where he was good, but then he also had a bunch of games where he wasn't good. And the inconsistencies, the poor play, and the bad situations that you put yourself in when you draft bad players thinking that they're going to be good, because there's sometimes really talented players that don't have a quarterback, you know, i.e. Darnell Mooney. I think he's a really talented player. I just, he doesn't have a quarterback. Michael Pittman this year, like, you know, you thought the Colts were going to have a better team, but that ended up being a really bad football team. The quarterback play was atrocious, and Michael Pittman did good, but he wasn't the breakout guy that we were talking about. Still talented, yeah. still really good, but is is handicapped by the bad football team. You know, you look at you look at some of these guys at, at, at the top, at the running back position, for example. Austin Eckler going to the playoffs. Christian McCaffrey going to the playoffs. Josh Jacobs going to the, oh, not going to the playoffs. They sucked. Gave it to him a million times. Derrick Henry on the brink of the playoffs. They were a decent football team, ran into some injuries. Saquon Parkley going to the playoffs. Nick Chubb, bad football team, fed him the ball a lot. Tony Pollard going to the playoffs. Aaron Jones almost made it to the playoffs. Uh, choked at the end of the season. Ramondre Stevenson had a chance. None of these at the end teams, of the none of these guys are on teams that are at the bottom of the league. Yes. And Even like, the bad teams, like the Raiders, the Browns, those are like seven, eight win teams. Yeah, and so, so like when you look at this, to me, you know, you could do the same thing at the wide receiver position. To me, you have to look at this from the perspective of drafting guys on good fantasy teams, on on good NFL teams, or teams that are at least middling or better, is a smart idea. If yep. you like a player, like what were the expectations coming into the season for Atlanta? Some people liked them. <laughs> Most people thought they sucked. Like, guess. but like they were gonna, they were gonna be a four-win football team, five-win football team. Right. But so now let me give you. So the only problem with this is there are teams that like, like the Colts and Broncos. We both, especially me, expected those teams to be good teams yes. with good offenses, mm-hmm. and they were awful. So sometimes there and there, and there's gonna be teams that like the Seahawks, who people project as like a four-five-win team, and mm-hmm. they make the playoffs with Geno Smith throwing 30 touchdowns. So like it is the NFL. There are going to be randomness. The giants are going to be a playoff team. Everybody thought they were going to suck. Yeah. Like, there is some randomness um, to it, but the guideline is still there. Like That's majority, why I put usually in all like, caps. Right. But you know, the chiefs are going to be good. You know, the yeah. bills are going to be good. You know, the Bengals are going to be good. You know, the 49ers are going to be good. And that's um, why that's why a lot of times, like during the season, I was chasing a wide receiver one on the Chiefs, trying to find yeah. it, because I'm like, if somebody sticks, they're gonna be Tyreek Hill, or at least the mini version of that. And it's like, you know, that's a good football team, and you can get all of the receivers for cheap. Yes, please. Right. So I, the answer was Travis Kelsey, though. Yeah, that was the, wide receiver the answer one. was Travis Kelsey. Oh, yes. Um, but like, that's the thing is like, if you, if you want, if you have a breakout and you're looking and, and Rick and I are just in the friggin' tip of reliving this season and going through and looking at things, but like, um, you know, so I wouldn't even be able to tell you what my projections are going to be or what my, my thought process is going to be in like, you know, April or May in terms of what we're looking at for the fantasy football season next year. But, um, like there were some football teams that 
you know, obviously or ran into some misfortune and ended up underperforming what we thought they were going to perform. And we're going to have to look at that and figure out what the crap went wrong there for us. And specifically what we need to look at in the future for how to project out maybe overhyping a in certain situations. Like next year, Aaron Rodgers goes to the Raiders. I would definitely be nervous. But then you also can't do it too far the other way because then what if it's Matt Stafford and the Rams or Tom Brady and the Bucks? Yeah. Where their first season with those new teams, they had top five offenses. Yeah. No, no, it's true. But the one thing's for sure is that if a team is expected to be bad, there's a good shot they're going to suck. Seattle, I always felt like people were overdoing it, to be honest with you. Like they're a football team where Russ was hurt, they ran into problems. What did they win? Seven games last year or whatever. Um, yeah. And they had some issues there. But they lost Russell Wilson, who really wasn't that good when he was playing anyway. Their defense is mid. Their offensive line is mid. And they have a rookie running back who's really good and two wide receivers that are studs. Mm-hmm. And they just got Noah Font, too. And I'm like, I was thinking but about Geno like, Smith. <laughs> like, Geno Smith's not good, but like, I don't think they're going to be like a four-win football team. Like, that team's better than four wins. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I thought that, uh, and everyone else was like, no, they're going to be the first overall pick and all that stuff. And obviously that they're in the playoffs this year. So sometimes it's going to be very, but I don't know of a single person who looked at Atlanta and said, they're going to win 10 football games. They're going to win seven. Um, football games. The Mariota people. The Mariota people. Yeah. And the really hardcore Drake London stance. Yeah. But like, and just, Pitts. if you know an offense is not going to be good, avoid it. And if you happen to be wrong because the offense ends up overperforming, then I will take that all day, every day to go after guys on really good offenses. You know what I mean? Like the yep. second we saw Tyreek Hill go to the uh, Miami Dolphins with the speed of Jalen Waddle, I think we all could have said, this is probably going to work. Yeah. And if that's <laughs> the case, why did we not go? Eh, this is going to work. Probably should draft Tyreek Hill. I don't know why we didn't do that. I'm mad at myself for it. But anyway, yeah, I was gonna say you had you literally I had the opportunity. I drafted freaking. I, I thought Samuel. you were gonna do it too. And I was shocked when you didn't. Anyway, I don't, don't want to talk about it. <laughs> anyway, bad team doesn't usually produce good fantasy assets. Write the book on it. Um, anything else you want to say on that one? No. All right, no, number four. It. Give us number four, Rick. Okay, so number four. Uh, so don't keep your waiver budget. And this is something that I think we had, we might've mentioned in the past, but um, it's something that really came to play this year in our, our league. Um, I noticed. So for me, I usually am one of those teams that I don't usually keep all my waiver budget, but I definitely end the season with a little bit. I'm a little conservative this year. I was like, you know, what? I'm just whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. I don't care about waiver budget. If I really need it, I'll make a trade and get waiver budget. Mm-hmm. So I started spending it. And a lot of the guys that I spent it on ended up being season long players. And I did it yeah. early in the season. Yep. Um, Curtis Samuel was a guy that I spent big money on after week one. Jeff Wilson was a guy I spent big money on mm-hmm. after like week two or three. And those guys were decent all season. Um, this year, I, I don't remember if there was really an example of being like a, a great player out of um out of the waivers in the first couple of weeks. Yeah. But there it was pretty much dead after like week seven or eight. And there were teams in our league that still had like eighty percent of their waiver budget and they were eliminated from the playoffs. They were oh, done. Sure. They didn't don't use like any that. of their waiver budget all season. 
it blows my mind. I, I think it's it's just really you if you're gonna use it, use it early on the season when there's opportunity to get guys that will make a difference for your team. Yeah. Even if like this year, like those two examples I gave, neither one of those guys were groundbreakers, but Curtis Samuel it had moments of being a, a solid wide receiver two, wide receiver three. And Jeff Wilson was what? He was a top twenty running back this year, mm-hmm. wasn't he? Or top twenty five. So like um valuable bench <laughs> bench flex level pieces there. Yeah. Um while other teams just sat on their hands and knees and did nothing and just accepted their fate of who they drafted. Yeah. Like using the waiver wire, waiver wire, and making trades. Like if you, if we were to do another, um, you know, tips and tricks show, like that is obviously at the very top. Like if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, uh, we've done tips and tricks, and they apply. So you can go listen to that episode. Go find it. Just search our YouTube channel for it. Um, but like that's a top. That's at the top of the list for me. Like you after the draft, we spend so much time talking about draft talking about getting the best players on your team, making projections and, you know, mock drafting and all this stuff. And we spent most of our year, nine months straight, all of our episodes, I would say 75% of our content is directly correlated to that one thing, drafting. But after that, I think building your team through trades and through waiver wire is equally as important. And I don't mm-hmm. think people use their, like, people don't, if you ever waiver, first of all, A, if you don't have waiver budget in your league yet, what are you doing? That needs to be done. Like waiver now. priority is such a joke. Yeah, waiver priority is a joke. It makes no sense. People still get mad about it because it applies to ties in waiver budget. But at least you can bid on guys and hope that you got you know, hope that you get them. Um, but like to me, a lot of people who have waiver budget, like like Rick said, there there were leagues that I was in that people just held on to their waiver budget all season long, and it was like, what are you doing? Like, why do you yep. still have? We had two hundred dollar waiver budget in the home league. What are you still doing with one hundred and seventy five dollars? And then they'll put like one hundred fifty dollars in like week fourteen on a, on a defense or something. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> what are you? What are you <laughs> doing? What are you freaking doing? Right. And I'm like, the, my strategy always has been like, specifically when I started doing the waiver budget leagues, is to dump because the the the, the breakout players and the waiver wire gem finds that you get happen first four to five weeks of the season. So I try to dump as much mm-hmm. of my waiver budget in those weeks as I can. And that's what I did. And at the end of the season, I didn't have anything and you might lose out on a defense. If you still do defenses or you might lose out on a player at the end of the season. Like, like a couple of years ago, Wayne Gallman was a waiver wire darling because Saquon Barkley got hurt and he sucked. Oh yeah. And it's like, you yep. know what? I'm kind of glad I dumped all my waiver budget on a guy earlier in the season so I don't have to do that game with you morons. <laughs> Who saved your waiver oh, budget? So true. Good luck. So um, I just don't keep your waiver budget. It's There's no need for it. It's not, it doesn't roll over into next year. You know, you don't get, you don't get special points. You know, it, it, you don't get anything for keeping it. So just dump it. Yeah. Easy money. Find one. Final one. The the fifth lesson learned from the 2022 fantasy football season um, is going to be a little bit more of a a discussion, a quick discussion, but a discussion nonetheless. Um, And it is a question. Are wide receivers becoming more valuable than running backs? There's people who are going to listen to this and have been saying that 
uh, we'll say that wide receivers have been for years. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. I would say that in PPR leagues, wide receivers in general are more valuable than running backs. That doesn't mean running backs aren't valuable still. And mm-hmm. like, if you look at the top three guys this year, it was what Jacobs, Eckler, and McCaffrey, right? Those three guys were yeah. on par with the top three wide receivers. They were on the same level. Mm-hmm. So having one of those elite running backs is just as, if not more important than ever. The problem is, from that point on, running backs are becoming very weak. Once you get out of like the top you know, 10 guys or so, um, are you still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm there. Okay, she, she froze. I was like, hello? <laughs> Am I alone? But yeah, when, once you get out of the uh, the top ten guys, yeah, and I think we were we were looking at it earlier. Running backs like from the RB six, I think you said to like sixteen. Mm-hmm. There's only like a two point per game difference or something like that. Yeah, and they're all kind of mid. <laughs> like they're mm-hmm. all whatever. I mean, obviously the RB six Nick Chubb was good, had good moments. Um, but like the the for example, the wide receiver sixteen this year. Now he did miss four games, mm-hmm. so or five games, so it's very different. But was Jamar Chase, right? Yeah. The running back sixteen was James Conner, and he also missed time, right? Mm-hmm. So they both missed time. Um, James Conner had two hundred fantasy points. Jamar Chase had two hundred and nineteen. Chase missed an extra game, mm-hmm. so that's a twenty point difference between the RB sixteen and the wide receiver sixteen. And the wide receiver 16 also missed an additional game. So that's would have been like a 35, 40 point difference probably between those two guys. Um, So if you're looking at, you want to get a good RB one, but then after that, I feel like I, I would say you still want two good running backs, but my flex is going to be a wide receiver. That's what I'll end up saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that because I think the positional depth that you get at wide receivers, obviously a lot more um, like there's a lot more wide receivers that can produce 203, you know, 200, 250 fantasy points than there are running backs that will do that. I was actually just looking at the numbers. So at the wide receiver 20, just to pick out a number here um, for, yeah, the wide receiver 20 had 204 fantasy points. The running back 20 had 187. So, um, yeah, that is a, that is like a, what is that? A 20 point difference? No, that's a 10 point difference around 13 to 15 point difference. Um, and it's like, you see that there's a little bit more depth at, at wide receiver. So that essentially allows you, because if, if, if you even drop further down, like, so let's, let's do wide receiver oh, running back 30, running back 30 scored. Uh, 146 fantasy points, 145 fantasy points. The wide receiver 30 scored 170. So that's a 30-point difference. And as you keep going Jeez. down, the running backs drop off and the receivers kind of stay around 150. So it's just – it's one of those things where as you're starting to look at the numbers and starting to look at the situations, you know, the top 12 usually is pretty even. You know, wide receiver 12, 221. Running back 12, 222. So it's like it's mm-hmm. even in the top 12. Like you could go wide receiver in the first round in PPR. You could go running back in the first round in PPR and be fine. It's when you get to those second and third and fourth rounds in, in a draft and the running backs are eaten up 
and you're like, oh, I drafted three wide receivers, and there's plenty of wide receivers in this range, but there's no running backs. That's the problem you run into. And I think to answer this question, I think that wide receivers, I think, can win leagues. I don't think running backs will win you a league, considering that the last two years, what have we talked about for fantasy MVP? Wide receivers. Jefferson. And both of them were on most fantasy champion teams, right? Justin Especially Jefferson last this year. year with Cup. That was right. <laughs> he was on like 80% of teams that won the and championship. It's just, but that's the thing is like, I feel like if you have a stud top five wide receiver on your team and a guy that's a superstar, in, especially in PPR, that guy can carry you over the, the, the threshold. Whereas, unless you have like the number one running back or the number two running back in fantasy football, I don't necessarily think that you're going to have your running back win you your league. For the most part, mm-hmm. unless they have a monster three game right. stretch, in, stretch Which we are, kind, I feel like we are kind of due for a monster running back here from somebody. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, this maybe year. a Jonathan Taylor bounce back. I know, seriously, but um, but I so I will say I think the wide receiver position is probably more valuable, just if you looked at them on paper side by side. But in terms of draft strategy, I still think the the positional difference you know, and how much depth you get at wide receiver as opposed to the running back makes the running backs in drafts a little more valuable. But I think once you get in season prioritizing, because everyone's looking for a running back. So if you have a plethora of running backs, I would prioritize getting, especially in PPR, a bunch of really good wide receivers that you can stick on your team. I use Lamar Jackson on, on Rick to get Chris Godwin. I used Tony Pollard in a trade. I think I flipped them for Juju Smith-Schuster and Alvin Kamara. Something stupid like that. And yeah. and so it's like I got a running a wide receiver. I didn't end up starting Juju, but that's good depth. If I had a, one of my right wide receivers go down, you know. So I, and I agree with Rick. I think as I start playing PPR a little bit more, I would actually probably lean towards having in my flex or my flexes. Um, a wide receiver just because of the depth, the depth at that position, as opposed to stacking with running backs. Now, if you stack with running backs, that's fine because it gives you more value, but um, yeah. So I would say if you're just looking at it on paper, wide receiver is definitely more important than running backs for your fantasy team. Uh, But if you're looking at it in drafts, obviously strategy dictates the situation and how much depth at each position obviously is going to determine where you draft a guy. So um, you know, I still will be drafting running backs early because I can't get running backs later. If that makes sense. Yep. All right. Makes sense. Um, hopefully that's a thing we learned <laughs> because I still, I was still in on running backs. It's more of a, more of a, um, I guess a topic. I guess to so. Be, to be discussed. Yeah, to be discussed. But anyway, hopefully you got something out of the show. Hopefully you learned something this year. If you did learn something and you made it this far in the episode, leave it down in the comments. Um, what you specifically learn next week. We're jumping into the full off-season content. We'll talk to you later, guys. See you. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Champions Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and follow us on Twitter at the FF Champs.